Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. You guys know what today is? Pentecost. Happy Pentecost. I said that to Seth in the car because he brought me here. And he started laughing. He said, every time you say Pentecost, I laugh. Because he calls it Pentecost. And I call it Pentecost. We're on from the, probably from the different side of the river. I don't know, but. <laughs> and he was laughing. He said, every time you say that, I think you're going to say something about, something about a penny. A penny cost. <laughs> Got me thinking about a pie cost. Has anybody ever heard of a pie cost? Somebody's probably asking, what's a pie cost? It used to be about $5, but now it's about 30 <laughs> Pie cost. All right, you guys. Give me, give me a courtesy laugh. That was a grandpa joke right there. That's mean. That's mean. For those of you who are visiting today, you might think I'm a, I'm a, tear, I'm a tie-wearing kind of a guy. If you haven't been here, or if you have been here before now, you know that ain't true, <laughs> all right? I'm not. There, there's rare occasions that I'm going to put a tie on, and, and even more rare occasions, I'm going to tuck a shirt in. <laughs> I get so self-conscious wearing this thing. I'm afraid if I lifted my hand or I just leaned over or my boy kicked my butt, which he did during worship, that, that it's going to like pop up somewhere, my tuck shirt. And you guys are going to know what name brand my underwear is. <laughs> so I'm always like standing here like doing this and hope nobody looks over at me. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you guys are full of grace and we just have fun, right? But I did want to tell you that one of the, the reasons why I would wear a tie and tuck my shirt in, put on my leather shoes is because today is Pentecost, and I just woke up, really just wanted to do a a real um, practical way to honor the Holy Spirit. I I would wear this at a wedding. I'd wear it at a graduation. But even more importantly, I'm wearing it for the Holy Spirit today. And I I just want to take some time and honor the Holy Spirit, which is what Pentecost is all about, all right? Um, and, and as a matter of fact, I want to ask us all if we can take a moment to honor the Holy Spirit, and if you're able, if you could stand with me. And I just want to say this in honor of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He's not a thing. Holy Spirit is not an it, Holy Spirit is a person, and, and it, it would be more appropriate than to say it, to say he, and, and it's okay if I, I understand, like, we don't know, like, what his biology is, but, but uh, typically, we're, you know, he is, it's just a little bit more personal than it, all right? He's not a thing, and he's not just a concept, he's not just a power, he's a person, all right? When I was a kid, I went to a church called Christ Fellowship Church. 
and I grew up in that church. We moved away a couple of times just because of jobs and stuff, but um, when I was a kid, that, that church actually started from a church split from a Christian church, and uh, they didn't want to split, but what happened was the pastor started finding freedom in the Lord, freedom, freedom from religion, and uh, he started finding freedom, and he started wanting to have freedom in worship and not be structured just by time and hymnal and all that, but to actually start flowing outside of that and see what God's doing in the room. And, and he probably was a little similar to like Keith Green, how he just loves to break you right out of the box. Kind of reminds me of that. His name's Pastor Bill Roberts. And so the, after, after they split, the reason it split was because there were some people, it was a hard decision. They had lots of meetings and prayer times as a, as a board of elders um, to decide, are we going to go with this and allow them to do it, or are we not? And, and it was a split down the middle, pretty much. And they, they just kind of decided, we, wanna, we don't want to hinder you guys from the way you're wanting to do it, so I guess we're just going to have to go start our own thing. It wasn't a dishonor thing. It was more of a, we don't want to disrupt what you're, what you're wanting, so we're just going to have to do our thing here. And so, and it came through a lot of prayer and deliberation. Um, started meeting in people's homes and backyards, and, and it was awesome. It, it, actually, that happened while we were living in Muncie because my dad was going to college, um, but we came back into that at the very beginning of it. And, uh, and so a few years into this, um, they, were, they were just really exploring what freedom looked like. Um, I don't think they actually knew what it looked like, but they just wanted more, you know. And so after a period of time, they had found a, an, old, um, an old church chapel that was just one room with a, and, a, and didn't even have a bathroom in it. Actually, it had a side classroom, but no bathroom. You had an outhouse on the other side of the graveyard that it was in. It was amazing. I mean, when you want God, you just have to adapt the scenarios, right? It's better to want God than to want a better environment. And so, and then we were good with it. So, and it, that building was probably over 100 years old, and it was creaky, and like you, you walk on it, and you hear they go, just walk in. And, and they, they had those old wooden pews, and we set them up in a circle in there, so the, the worship team would be... It was kind of like a U-shape, and they'd be kind of over there. Did you, did you ever go to that building? You remember this. Daniel Hardy, he, they used to go to this church too. And so uh, the worship team would be there. They'd preach at the, at the edge of the U-shape, and, but everybody's facing each other. So every time I got in trouble, like uh, the whole church saw it. And, and so there were times when my dad saw me across the room doing something I shouldn't have, and he marched over there rah, 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 and grabbed me and took me out. It's super awkward, but that wasn't the most awkward, all right? I was just probably in grade school, and the most awkward thing in that building, though, was when my dad and a lady named Charlene found the Holy Ghost before the whole church found the Holy Ghost, and they started exploring their freedom in a whole different way than the church was exploring it, and there was a few times I remember that I, I was like, I was sitting back in the back with our friends, flipping rubber bands and just doing the things that boys who aren't loving Jesus rightly are doing. And, uh, and, and out of the corner of my eye, I see something move and I look up and it's my dad. 
and it's Charlene, and they stand up and they start doing the charismatic two-step in front of it, like right there in the middle of this thing that everybody's looking at. They're worshiping the Lord. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm so humiliated. It's all about me, you know? It's all about me. And then there were times when uh, I can't remember who did what, but I think, I, think it was, um, I think it was my dad bursted out in a tongue, speaking in tongues. I'm like, what the Moses is going on? This is, what is my dad doing? And then, and then Charlene busts out with an interpretation. I'm like, what's going And there's like this holy fear that fills the room. And for me, it's just a bunch of holy humiliation. <laughs> but it's so crazy. But, but they started getting free. And, and I, I found out later that, um, that in those times, my dad was, uh, he was working in a, in a, he called it the psych ward. I don't know if that's the technical term, but he was studying to be a nurse and became a nurse for a while. So he was dealing with people who had mental illnesses and stuff. And I didn't know this at the time, but he was like in there getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost and casting demons out of people. I had no idea till later. I'm like, man, I wish I knew that's what you're doing when you're humiliating me in front of the whole church. I didn't know at the time that they were the, the forerunners of a, of a move of God that was coming, though, in that church a few years later. Um, there, there came a point in time, and this also happened another time that we moved away, because we lived in Wilmington, North Carolina for one year when I was in seventh grade. And so that, uh, they were still our church family, but we were gone just for one year. While we were gone, um, Brenda, his, his wife, um, she got diagnosed with a brain tumor, and it grew so, and it was cancerous, and it grew to the size of a grapefruit. That's crazy. And and they thought she was dying like and I mean they 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 had a they had a calendar date pretty much they were looking at so while he was at work because he's working bivocationally she would normally be at home just watching soap operas all day long but one day while he's at work she didn't know this that she was flipping through tv and she happened to come come across tbn and Pastor Rod Parsley was preaching, if anybody knows who that is, from Columbus, Ohio. He was preaching about the Holy Ghost. And he started preaching about miraculous healings and that God does that today. Well, can you imagine having a brain tumor the size of a grapefruit, knowing that your days are ticking, and you hear testimonies that God's healing people right now, and, and then you all of a sudden, you start wondering, maybe... There's hope that I didn't know about. And, and before she knew it, she could care less about soap operas that she's keeping track of. She started watching in this, and every day she started watching it secretly so her husband wouldn't know. He hated that stuff. And, and one day after she'd been watching it for a period of time, and faith starts growing, and she starts believing, wow, the Holy Spirit is active today. I believe God can heal me. And finally, she got the courage to tell Bill. And Bill, when he heard it, got angry because he didn't believe in that stuff. Who knows what he must have thought about my dad, <laughs> the old tongue talker. I don't, I don't know what he thought about him. But um, 
He, he told her, he actually said, I forbid you to watch TBN. Go back to your soap operas. Now, this is not a bash on Bill. He, know, he tells this story. It's part of his testimony, all right? Um, so it, it came to the point where they had to go do a doctor's visit. They were driving out to Columbus, Ohio, which is actually where she was from. At the time, that was like one of the main cancer centers, I guess, in the region or something. And, and so she was, they had to go back and forth there to do those things. And the, the doctor basically said, listen, um, I'm sorry, you have two weeks to live, and there's nothing more we can do for you. And so, and he, he basically had a meeting with Bill and said, hey, you, you guys might want to be figuring out how you want to spend the last two weeks, uh, make the most of it. So Bill talked with her, and he and obviously heartbroken, and he says, Brenda, you tell me what you want to do with this time, I'll make sure it happens. If you want to go to France, I don't know how we'll afford it. I'm taking you to France. We'll leave tomorrow if you want. If you want to go to Disney World, whatever it is, whatever you need, we're doing it. That's awesome. She said, I want to go to World Harvest and get prayed for by Rod Parsley. And he said, no. (laughs) But he had to keep his word, right? He's a man of his word. That, that, that ticked him off, though. <laughs> he had to work through that one. So they went, uh, I think it was on a Sunday night, they went, and I don't, I don't understand the backstory on this. I don't know if Rod Parsley somehow heard about it. I could be wrong. I think he had a word of knowledge, though, about a woman in the room who, who had the brain cancer that was, had two weeks to live. I, I feel like it was a word of knowledge. I could be wrong. Um, and so, but Bill took her there, grudgingly, but lovingly, and he told her, um, we can go, but I don't want to go up front. And he said, but if I do, we cannot fall. <laughs> and she was wearing a wig, because the chemo had, had made her hair, hair loss. He's like, we cannot fall, especially on TV, because, I mean, this is publicized. <laughs> And, they, and it calls them up, and, and so he, he has to grudgingly go forward. And, and then they, he prayed for them, and they fell. <laughs> and and uh, I don't know the timeline. I mean, this is in the last two weeks. It may have been days. I'm not sure, but, um, but something happened, and they got wrecked by the Holy Ghost. Some, I mean, he obviously, he had an instantaneous shift of theology and belief system, and, and everything changed in that fall, all right? You don't fall as a courtesy when you don't believe in it, right? Like, he got whacked, and, and they went back to the doctor, and she not only had no cancer cells, the entire tumor had dissolved and completely disappeared, yep, and all the scarring from all the radiations and whatever comes with all that stuff all got healed. Praise God. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so can you imagine what that did to the church? It changed everything. And, uh, I mean, everything. It wasn't probably long after that 
that, um, that Bill had the tenacity, or the, I, I want to say the audacity, not tenacity, audacity. And this was a step for him, too. Uh, 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 it, it, I think that he had to work through it, but he felt like he needed to take a few people from the church to a Benny Hinn crusade. <laughs> I mean, that's just a whole other level of craze, you know, in, in that realm. And, and they all got baptized in the Holy Ghost and Benny Hinn crusade. That's amazing. And so they brought it back to the church. And it was right around that same time that, um, and I'm, I'm still the kid, I'm a little older now, I'm in, in junior high, but I'm still the kid who's with, a, with the buddies sitting on the back row flicking the rubber bands, right? I didn't understand all that stuff that was going on. Um, but that summer, our, our church decided to try out a new church camp for the kids. Because we used to go to a Christian church, church camp called Rainbow Christian Camp, I think. Um, and uh, and they, they tried to, they started this new one. Wanted to try it out called Harvest Ranch. It's over east of Knightstown, um, around Newcastle area. And, uh, I, and, and they asked me if I wanted to go. I'm like, no way. I just got Super Mario Brothers, and I'm going to conquer this thing. And my sister wanted to go, and I got a week break from my sister. This is heaven. <laughs> All right? That, that's what I was up to. My sister went to camp, had a great week, me. <laughs> I think I beat the game. That was awesome. Probably came with a few dings on the corner of the remote control because I threw it out of anger a few times. But, uh, but I, I think I conquered it, so that's pretty neat. Little did I know that my sister and the youth group that I never attended... <laughs> was over there having encounters in the glory of God during worship services, and they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they got prayer languages, and I didn't even know for sure what that thing was. All right? And I didn't know it. But on Saturday when they came home, and my sister, my parents went and, and got her and brought her home, and she came into the, to the house, and I, I was kind of ready for her to be there. You know, I, I was kind of missing her a little bit, and uh, she stepped into the house, and, and I saw her glowing. Something was different. I didn't understand it. She, she, whoa. Thank you, Lord. Something was different. Her demeanor was different. The way she treated me was different. Started making me feel ashamed of my, she didn't make me feel ashamed. My, seeing the change in her that I needed Started, I started feeling convicted. And uh, where I was still cussing, she was speaking in tongues. And uh, so I, 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 I realized that I missed out. So the next day, I thought we were sitting on the back row, but the, all the teenagers sat on the front row and the great leader that I am trailed right behind them because I didn't want to be sitting by myself. So there I am, good old Christian Jesse, still worldly-minded, following these new Holy Ghost junkies to the front row with no idea what's going on. But I'm like, 
I'm a little freaked out, but I'm like, something's different about these guys, and I need it. And so after worship, Pastor Bill had all of them who wanted to to come up and talk through the microphone and share a quick testimony. This is what happened to me at camp. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I received a prayer language, and I'm on fire for Jesus, and everybody would erupt in just a, just a praise for the Lord, one after the other. And, and here I am, the, the leader that I am, the last one sitting down. I'm like, man, I feel stupid right now sitting here by myself. And, and because I'm a great leader and I'm the only one sitting there and everybody else is up here, I decided I needed to be standing up here just so I won't be left out. And so after they all shared their testimony, I was like, what am I going to say? I have nothing. I didn't even go. <laughs> I got on the microphone and I said, I did not go to camp. And I missed everything that they got. And I want it. And I want it right now. And so they all gathered around me, and the whole church laid their, or like put their hands towards me, and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Whoa, I feel his presence. Wow. And I got a prayer language. I probably sounded like I was talking gibberish, and maybe I was. I don't know. But I put faith on it. That's the key. Okay. That's the key. But uh, my life changed, and, and so did our church, and revival broke out in the church. And, and every meeting, people couldn't wait to get there. People got there early. Why would, you do, why would you get to church early? Nobody does that this day and age. <laughs> but, but there's an expectancy. What? I don't want to miss out. What's God going to do this week? Because every week, the glory, the atmosphere was charged. People came with faith, and they're laying hold of the hem of his garment, and virtue was flowing. People were getting healed. People started coming from all around because they heard Brenda's testimony, and they heard that revivals come into our church. People from all the different counties started coming to church because they wanted to experience God. There's a hunger. A hunger. And people from other states came because they heard about her testimony to ask them to pray for them for healing of cancer, and people got healed because the testimony multiplies. Yeah, we can give God a praise for that. That's awesome. It's amazing. And, and the, just the craziest stuff was going on. People got delivered of demons, and people started talking about Christ Fellowship Church. That's the church of what's happening now kind of joking around about it, and we're like, we'll, we'll claim that title, the church of what's happening now, come on, awesome, and, and I remember this one time too, this is kind of funny, um, my aunt, two sets of my aunts and uncles started coming to church, and they, they, they used to go to a different Christian church, but they started hearing about the Holy Ghost, and they're like, man, I, that freaks me out, but there's something about me that just feels hungry for that thing, and so they they kind of tiptoed their way in to check it out. Before they knew it, the Holy Spirit just apprehended them. They got whacked. That's what we didn't call it whacked then. That's what we call it now. It's like Pentecost 2.0 language. Whacked by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Pentecost 3.0, you call it bam. That's what people say now. Actually, I think we might be past the bam part. I don't know. Anyway. 
but uh, but they're but they're they've finally convinced their friend from their old church, Marty. Marty, he was a he was a hunter. He was a big hoss of a man, like strong, and he kind of reminded me of hoss off of of uh, that old show Bonanza. He kind of reminded me of that guy, and and he and he's stu- he was a stubborn dude too. He's like, I'll come, I'll humor you guys, I'll come, and but but God ain't doing nothing to me because he don't do that thing. And uh, and then at the end of the service, they were having people come up uh, to get hands laid on them. And, and they convinced him to go up. He said, I'll go up, but I ain't falling. That, that won't happen to me. But they can pray a blessing on me. And I, I can just say that we learned that the bigger they are, the harder they fall. <laughs> All right? And the more stubborn they are, the harder they fall. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit just loves to f- flatten people sometimes. I want to tell you guys something, all right? Because that's a testimony from the 90s. But, he, but, but God is still the same. And we can lay hold of testimonies of former years and know that God wants to do those things now, here, and more. Amen? And, and we have a choice to do Christianity on our own strength or by the supernatural power power of the Holy Ghost. Which kind of Christianity do you want? Because I've tried the one on my own and it kind of sucks. Second time I use that word if you're counting. God wants us, he wants us, he, he dreamed, when he dreamed of Christianity, he dreamed of people who are sons and daughters of the Most High God who are not trying to walk out Christianity on their own strength. That was Old Covenant. We, we had to do religion under the Old Covenant on our own strength, and, and God proved to us through that we can't do it on our own. Not the way that God's dreamed of it, but when He can get us electrically charged by the Holy Spirit, man, I'm feeling that electricity in my bones right now. He's given us the power to rise above nominal Christian religious day in, day out, kind of check it in, check off my box kind of a life. He's actually called, he, he actually has dreamed of you, believed in you, that you can change the world. But we can't change the world by being average. Christians, average people. We can't change the world anyway, but he's looking for vessels so that he can show up and bring the power of heaven into this world through us. Amen? So why do we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, why did Jesus, the Son of the Most High, God himself, why did he need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you why. First of all, he didn't need to. But he knew you and I need to. So he demonstrated to us how we can live this dream life that God has for us. All right? And, and it says 
in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says, it's talking about Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, and that's because he is God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, like you and me, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus, who is God, made a decision, a great sacrificial decision, while he's still sitting on the throne that ruled the universe. He decided that he wanted to, by his own accord, strip off of himself the attributes of deity. It never, it never made him cease being God, but by choice, it was like he took it off himself and laid it on the altar before his father and said, I choose to not, to not function in my deity so I can become inseminated into a human being and become a baby that's physically limited by human qualities. He chose to do that. His whole life on this earth, he still was God, but, he's, but he was 100% man. He's, he was the God-man. Amen? That's a, that's a basic theology right there that we all need to know. All right? He's the God-man. And so functioning on this life on this earth he was limited he needed to eat he needed to sleep he needed to cry i'm not going to say some other things that my mind's thinking about that he needed to do that you and i do that nobody likes to talk about in front of other people but he did those things too using the bathroom that's what i meant he had to use the bathroom all right he's he's a, he became a man he you guys are like, what in the world? If I would have just said it, you got, some of you would have died laughing. Some of you are like, man, let's stone this guy. <laughs> but he chose the limitations of humanity to demonstrate to us how we can be God's version of humans. All right? And so somewhere around age 30... Jesus was baptized in the water by John the Baptist, and it says that the heavens open, and the Father spoke over him, and it says the Holy Spirit descended from heaven like a dove and landed on him and remained on him. All right? And that picture shows the Holy Trinity, each individual person. They're all a person, but they're one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're one, but they're individual together in unity. All right. And so the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus. And John said that I knew who the son of God would be when the Holy Spirit would come on him and remain on him. Up until that time, under old covenant living, the Holy Spirit would come on people and then he would lift off. He'd come on them when they needed the power. Then he'd come up. But this time, the Holy Spirit came on him and never lifted off. All right. Pretty awesome. Did you know that Jesus never performed a sign or a wonder? Before that day. His first miracle was after that when he turned the water into wine. 
And then he started performing miracles. He started healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, doing, healing blind eyes, opening deaf ears, doing all the stuff you could imagine that's written in the Bible. He did it after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's pretty awesome. Acts 10.38 talks about Jesus, and it says how God, how God, it's talking about his father on this one, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So God anointed Jesus, the person who is God but chose to lay down deity so that he could show us and demonstrate what a human under God's blessing can be like. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with dunamis miracle-working power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus functioned in the power that he did by the anointing of someone that wasn't himself, the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon him so that he could be clothed with power from on high, walking in power, demonstrating to us that power from a human vessel can come from heaven to change the world. Amen? Luke 4, 18, 19, Jesus quoted out of Isaiah, but he was talking about himself, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at, captive, or set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus, who is God, who chose to lay down his deity so he could walk as a man who's a son of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit that gives him the power that's from an, another person, empowering him to be on an assignment that was God's plan for his life to change the world in ways that a human flesh could not do on its own. Divine empowerment. The anointing is the Holy Spirit and his power. It comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You guys with me? So the anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the anointing is to endue us with the supernatural power to do what we cannot do on our own strength. The anointing gives us purpose and the ability to accomplish it. Anybody getting hungry for this? Isaiah 10, 27, I'm going to read out of the, the old, the King James Version. I, I don't read out of that one often. But this verse, I like it best in it. Actually, I'm just, all right, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit releases a power that can break anything that binds us up. Come on. Dunamis. 
Dunamis, that's the Greek word for power in the New Testament. Dunamis, it's a self-creating, miracle-working power that's released from the very presence of God to change things that can't be changed by earthly strength. Dunamis, come on. And I, I like to think of Jesus demonstrating this and what his plan was for us by, by looking at the story of Elijah and Elisha and a prophetic model of this, because it's a powerful story. Elijah was one of the most powerful Old Testament prophets, and, and he walked in a great power that even called fire that was visible from heaven to come down on an altar that, had, that, had, that, that poured water all over it and the rocks and everything, and where the prophets of Baal couldn't get fire on that thing. And he had him drench it just so he could just go the extra mile and say, <laughs> in your face, guys. He called fire down, and it snuffed the whole thing out. Because he walked in dunamis. He walked in, a, in an anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he had a, he had a mantle on him that, that represented the anointing on his life. And, and his... His predecessor, his, his spiritual son, Elisha, walked with him. He served him. He, he pressed into him. He was there to do whatever he needed to do because he, he wanted to partner with the assignment on his life. He, he honored a prophet in the name of a prophet. Guess what happens when you do that? You receive a prophet's reward. And so he pressed into him. He served him. And, and then there was this day, this is in, first, in 2 Kings chapter 2, that they both knew from heaven that Elijah was about to be done on this earth. I don't know how they knew, but God must have told them. And so they're on this journey to get to whatever location, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit led Elijah to go, I think, to Bethel first, I think is what it was. And, and he tells Elisha, you just stay here. God's calling me on to the next place. And, and he's like, no way. I'm staying with you no matter what. And, and then all the prophets of the area come and say, did you know that God's going to take Elijah from this earth today? Yeah, shut up, though. I don't want to hear it. And so he follows them on. He's persistent. And then they go to the next place. I think it was Jericho. I might have them backwards. And, and so Elijah said, I need you to stay here because God's calling me on to the Jordan River. And he's like, no way. I'm going with you no matter what. And everybody comes and says, did you know God's going to take Elijah? And he said, yeah, 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 I know. Silence. Shut those lips. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. And so then they go to the Jordan. All the prophets come. Elijah takes his mantle off which, by the way, was probably saturated with power from on high, grabbed that thing. He struck the Jordan River. You know why he would have done that? Because he remembered the testimony of Joshua and God parting the river. He remembered the testimony. He knows God, my God is a God who can part rivers. He did it for Moses, too, in an entire sea. And so he strikes the Jordan River, and it parts ways. He stepped into the inheritance of the previous testimonies, the power, the dunamis power. And, and so they walk through it, and then he's like, all right, well, I'm about to go. <laughs> about to go. Is there anything that you want to receive? 
And I want to tell you that he could have asked for, he could have asked for an inheritance of his riches, or his, or, or his notoriety, or uh, authority and power type thing, or whatever. He could ask for any of that stuff. But it reminds me of Solomon, when God said, "What would you ask?" He could have asked for any of those things, and he said, "I want wisdom." And God. It's like, all right, that's the best thing you could have asked for. Well, Elisha said, I, I, don't, I don't need any of that earthly stuff. I, want, I place a demand on this anointing that you're walking in, this, the Spirit of God that's on you. I want a double portion of the Spirit that you walk in. And he said, this is a hard thing for you to ask. And, and actually, in the Old Covenant, it actually teaches that the firstborn son is to receive what's called a double portion, and it's an inheritance. And, and so when, when Elisha saying, I want a double portion, he's actually posturing his heart, I am your spiritual son. I honor you, and I want what you walk in. I want you to impart that to me. I want a double portion. Can you imagine what he saw Elijah do, and he's asking, let's, let's twice that. And Elisha, and Elijah says, that's a hard thing you ask. But he says, but if you keep your eyes on me the whole time as I, as I go, this will be done for you. This is crazy. Because after he says that, a whirlwind opens up. Whirlwind. That, that reminds me of stuff that happens from heaven to earth. Whirlwind. And a, and a chariot, chariots of fire with angels come swooping down, and it separates Elisha from Elijah. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you're Elisha, and you're, you were just told, don't, let, don't move your eyes off of me. Lock your eyes on me and don't look away. And then a chariot of fire from heaven comes and separates the two of you. Where are you going to be looking? I'm going to be checking this thing out that just happened in front of me. Like, how in the world am I going to look at that old geezer over there when, when the chariots of fire came in? But no, this is my father. And, and, and I, I, I want what he walks in so much, I won't let anything distract me, no matter what. And he kept his eyes locked. And then it says that Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind to heaven. And down falls his mantle to the earth. That's pretty crazy. Did you know that mantles that people walk in don't need to go to heaven? Because everything's already perfect there. There's no, there's no yokes that need broken in heaven. There's no blind eyes that need healed in heaven. It's all good there. All right, yokes, or sorry, mantles are anointings to, to destroy the works of the devil on this earth and to restore all things to the way that God originally created for it to be. Anointings are to bring restoration to a broken place. And so his, his mantle fell, and he went and he grabbed the mantle, and he took it upon himself. Guess what the first thing was he did? He went and struck the water and it's parted. He did a miracle just like he saw his father do. Walked through it. That's amazing. And I want to tell you guys, like he, he honored 
the anointing that he just received. He received an impartation. He received, in a sense, a baptism of what Elijah walked in. And he started walking in signs and wonders. And if you count through the Bible all the signs and wonders that's listed in the Bible for Elijah, and then you count all of them that are listed in the Bible for Elisha, Elisha's is exactly listed at two times as much minus one. Two is exactly twice as many minus one. And that's fascinating because after he died, some generations later, his bones were in a tomb and his body was already whatever it does in there. And they opened that tomb and they threw some dead person in there. And when he hit the bones of Elisha, he came to life. And that equaled exactly twice as many miracles recorded in the Bible. That's crazy. That's crazy. So he walked in the double portion. And it's such a prophetic picture of Jesus in us because he told us. He told us to, to wait because the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And, and in... Um, Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. Clothed with power from on high. When they got saved and they received salvation, they were born again of the Spirit. In that moment, Jesus breathed. He said, receive peace. Or he said, peace be with you. And he breathed on them and it says they received the Holy Spirit. That's when they got born again. They're born of the Spirit. So if a person's born again, you got the Holy Spirit already living on it inside of you. And that's so important. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is actually something different from that. They work together. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a being baptized, being immersed fully, to have something fully cover you. And it says clothed. Imagine, imagine the, the power of God coming and putting garments over you of his glorious, electric, dunamis power. That's not, the, the inward spirit is, is to help you have that, that union with God and the intimacy with him and having, having the, the throne room encounters. It's our, it's our inner world that connects with God in the heavenly places. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to put an anointing upon us so that we can do outward works because God wanted to put heaven's power on his people so that we can change the world. Come on. And Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to my Father. So he was telling us that just like Elijah was going to heaven, I'm going to be going to heaven. I'm going to go back to my Father. But I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. This is better for you. Because I'm going to put power, my power on you. And you'll be able to do greater works than me. Elijah, Elisha, double portion. He ascends, he locked eyes, he didn't let go, he didn't let anything distract him. He was tenacious, he was like, I need this so bad, I'm going to pay whatever price I need to get this thing, and I'm going to receive it by faith. And he got it. 
And he started changing the world around him with a double portion anointing. Jesus, who demonstrated miracles, and he empowered his disciples to do miracles, but he said, it's going to be better for you that I go to heaven because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. You're going to walk in a greater power than you've known yet. This is my promise to you. And in Acts 1, actually I want to just read this passage out of Acts 1. Oh, what are you doing, iPad? Acts chapter 1, um, before Jesus ascended, he, he's talking to his, his, his apostles about the promise of the Father. He said, which you have heard from me, for, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall, everybody say, we shall, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And he said, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You're going to receive power, dunamis power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be able to, it doesn't mean you're going to go witnessing to people by passing out tracts and telling them the Romans road. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not what he said. He said, you're going to witness me. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you to do things that you can't do. And you're going to watch me show up and change the world through you. And then, and then they, they pray, and it, it, this was 40, uh, he was with them 40 days after he resurrected. They prayed for 10 more days, and Pentecost means the 50th day. It's the 50th day. It, it, it was a holiday, 50 days after the Passover. It was the, the Feast of Weeks, and it, was, it represents new beginnings, new beginnings. And Pentecost, they've been praying and tarrying and seeking the Lord in unity with one heart, one mind, in an upper room, 120 of them. And they were seeking God together, wanting to lay hold. They were like Elisha saying, I'm not going to leave you. I don't care what everything's trying to distract me and make me hold back. I'm going to keep pushing in. Every place that I have an opportunity to just kind of hang out and be comfortable where I'm at, no, I'm going to push in past it. I'm going to push past it. I got to have this thing that's on your life because I need it. I'm going to press in and anything that can distract me, even if it's an encounter from heaven, I'm not even going to let anything distract me. I want this thing. I'm going to lay hold until I get it. That's the spirit and the attitude of the apostles and the 120 in the upper room. They weren't just praying and interceding, just begging God. They were persistently laying hold of a promise, pressing in, forging a unity with one another to lay hold of this promise. And it says on Pentecost, come on, this is awesome. I'm going to read this. Acts 2, I'm going to read 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. I'd like for you to think in terms of a hurricane. 
and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is what happened that makes people want to claim the title Pentecostal. I'll claim the title Pentecostal if this is what it means. I don't need the buns and the ties and that's fine. That's fine. I don't I don't want to be Pentecostal in in natural means. I want to be Pentecostal by the spirit of God. Amen. I want to tell you that the heaven opened on them and and it dumped in. And and the Holy Spirit fell on them in great power. And they were changed. And the evidence right after that, Peter, who had just recently cowarded by the opinions of man and betrayed Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit gave him a boldness like he's never known before. And he goes out and he preaches to thousands of people who heard what was going on in that room. How in the world do thousands of people hear what's going on in a little upper room? I don't know, but that's a, mir- that's a miracle. It must have been crazy, crazy dynamic. To capture thousands of people's attention who weren't even there to pay attention to that thing. What was going on? They probably heard the tornado in that place. They probably saw fire. And, and people are making fun of them because they hear them in, speaking in tongues. And, and, they say, and they say they're probably just drunk. Peter starts off and he says, we are not drunk as you suppose. He didn't say we're not drunk. He said as you suppose. He said, he said it's only the third hour, which actually equals 9 a.m., by the way. 9 a.m. Pentecost broke out earlier than 9 a.m., and we have our time getting to church at 10. <laughs> what, what if, what if they, they thought, we can, we, can, we can sneak in about halfway through worship, and, and the Holy Spirit broke out on the first song. You know what I'm saying? But they were there that early. And the Holy Spirit broke out. And, and he, he crushed in the place. And, and they changed the world. And Peter preached, and it says 3,000 people got born again that day. Come on. Come on. That's amazing. And I, I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up here in a moment, but I, I just want to, we're wrapping up to do something for those of you who, who want to press into this. But um, <clears throat> I, I want to ask you a few questions. Think of Elijah. Think of Elisha pursuing Elijah. Think of the 120 praying all those days. Think about what they were setting aside, the conveniences, to press into what God was doing. And I want you to, I want you to think about this. How, how, if, you, if you can identify with Elisha and say, I would want that, I want that. You can identify with the 120 I want that. Think about these questions. How, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Do you want it enough to push into it? 
You want it enough to tarry for it. Okay? How, how much do you believe that you can receive it? What price are you willing to pay to have it? You willing to lay your life down? Because God wasn't baptizing these people by the Holy Ghost so that they could continue living nominal, average Christian lives. He was enduing them with power so that they could change the world by living by assignment. Amen? So how much are you willing to steward it by actually using it to change the lives of people around you, change the world? Amen? It's important to think about these things, right? <laughs> I, I, I want to, I don't want to just preach a sermon. Anybody know what this is? This is anointing oil. And the oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And today, if anybody wants to press into this, we're going to lay hands on people. And I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to show up. And I want to tell you something. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 14. I also got baptized in the Spirit when I was 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, up to my current age of 32, 45. God never intended for the baptism of the Spirit to be a date that we have a memorial for in our Bible. We, we, can't, we can't just think that I, I received my prayer language on such and such date. I'm a tongue-talking, Spirit-filled Christian, but not actually live from the Spirit. God wants to give us an initial baptism, and He wants to continually baptize us over and over and over in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit on a regular basis for the rest of my life. I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to keep praying in tongues. All right? And, and uh, we want to lay hands on people who want this, more of this. And, and we're just, we just want to see if you would lay hold of the Holy Spirit as we lay hands on you today. Ooh.